This is episode 42 on the Live List Out podcast. Did you know that hacking attempts are typically registered every 39 seconds? Unsecured usernames and weak passwords are two contributors. Hello, action takers. Welcome to Live List Out, a podcast where I have authentic conversations with business owners and subject matter experts to help us get the scoop, the 411, and the lowdown on a variety of topics. Tired of hesitating or making decisions without having the big picture? Want to be in the know? Then this is the place to go. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, helping achieve bliss through awareness and action. Thanks for joining me. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Sending a coffee mugshot shout out to Julie K in Lone Tree, Colorado. Thanks for filling my coffee cup, Julie, and being such a cool bean. If you'd like to help keep me fueled, head over to liveblistout.com and click on the Caffeinate Me tab to give me a boost and redeem your bonus as a thank you for supporting the show. Joining me is Clint Larson, Director of Information Technology at 303 Tech. Clint has grown up in the IT industry working on computers in one form or another for more than 30 years. The goal of 303 Tech is to help you meet your IT needs in a cost-effective and efficient manner so you can spend time focusing on what really matters. They are a recognized Microsoft partner serving clients across the nation, from single-user companies to organizations of up to 250 users. They specialize in Office 365 integration and migration, as well as attentive desktop support, enabling you to establish an IT infrastructure that supports and enhances your business operations. To find out how cloud services have changed the business world, visit 303tech.com. Searching for a minimal, versatile handheld tripod? Look no further. SwitchPod works with any camera from a phone to a DSLR and simplifies video making. SwitchPod is lightweight, compact, and nearly indestructible. It will save you time between shots so you can focus more on shooting and less on messing with your gear. Just head over to the Partners tab at liveblistout.com and click on the SwitchPod link to let them know I sent you and help support the show. Hey, Clint. Thanks for being here. Appreciate having you on the show. Thanks, Marissa, for having us. I'm looking forward to talking to you today about cybersecurity because I know it's a topic that a lot of people are confused about and want to learn about, given the fact that we use a lot of technology today. What exactly is the difference between hacking and scamming? Glad you asked. Hacking, you really don't have a whole lot of control over. It's like sitting your computer down, connected to the internet, and then they, the bad guys, the bad actors, they hack through your internet provider, your firewalls, your computer system. That's how they get in is hacking. That's why it's called hacking. They dig through and get access. So you don't have to do anything and they can still get access to your computer. Now, scamming, on the other hand, typically requires you to do something, whether it's clicking on a link in an email, whether it's opening an attachment in the email, whether it's replying to a text, whether it's calling a phone number that pops up on your screen. That's typically where scamming is, is because you have to do something in order to get connected with the bad guys. And so scamming is a lot more prevalent these days than actual hacking. 
Hacking is more like somebody getting in a back door and proactively getting into your computer on their own without you necessarily doing anything. Whereas with scamming, you're giving them an entry. You're almost like giving them a passage and the way they get to that is through an email or some source that you click on that enables them to get in. Exactly. In today's world then, do you feel like this is getting more prevalent? The hacking part isn't as prevalent as it used to be just because there's a number of pieces that people have to go through. They have to go through your internet provider's firewall. They have to get through your desktop firewall. There's passwords. There's all kinds of additional security measures. I mean, that's why we have updates to our operating system or updates to programs because they found a vulnerability. And so actual hacking is a lot harder to do for a lot of people. And so they typically don't do it. Whereas scamming or phishing is more easily accessible because they prey on human nature. We're curious. So when we get an email that says, hey, you've been charged $250 for this item, click here to verify. We as a human being look at that email and go, well, I didn't charge that. What in the heck are they talking about? So we want to click on that link to see what they're talking about. And that's exactly what they want us to do is click on that link because we really weren't charged. And if we were charged and it was fraudulent, we can call a credit card company and say, hey, look, that was a fraudulent charge and they'll take care of it. But we think that we need to address it right this instant. So the second I get the email, I need to click on that link and we really don't. And so those types of socially engineered attacks or phishing or scams, they are a lot more prevalent and they're getting a lot more sophisticated these days. And as you mentioned, it's instinctual. I think that it's just so easy to check because you're absolutely right. You're saying to yourself, this couldn't have happened. So let me see. And then you click rather than pausing, thinking about it and going, wait a minute, this does not sound right. Let me call the source. Let me call my credit card company or my bank or whoever else might be involved first to find out if this is legitimate before I take action. And I think that's a distinction. Yes, it is. What do you feel are the most popular types of security threats that we're dealing with today? It all comes down to compromising somebody's email account. Somebody gets your email and their password. And and a lot of people are like, well, why does that matter? Who cares? They see that I email my friends. They don't think about what happens next. We work with Colorado Bureau of Investigations on helping our customers recover from attacks or email that they've sent out or money that they've sent out. And they trained us. We're just going to take a a quick scenario here. So we're going to have Joe, who's a recent widower. He's lonely. And one day he receives a text on his phone. The text on his phone says, you know, sorry for your loss. If you'd like to talk about it, send me an email here. Gives him an email address. Well, it's just an email, right? So he emails and finds out that this girl's name's Jen. And she just has a conversation with him about life in general. I mean, everything's innocent. Everything looks legitimate. Within a few days past, maybe a week or so, and all of a sudden, Jen needs help. She's $50 short on rent. Joe, can you please just help me? Just send me a gift card or something so that I can pay for rent or buy food for my kids or whatever it is. So he's a nice guy. He wants to help her out. She's a nice girl. He knows that she's real because she sent him pictures and videos. So he sends her $50. Well, a couple of days later, now it's $100. A few more days later, it's $1,000. And Joe might be getting a little bit worried. Maybe not because he enjoys talking to Jen. And pretty soon, Joe doesn't have any more money in his bank account. It's been wiped out. 
savings, checking, everything. He doesn't have any more money. He tells you, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. I'm wiped out. I have to wait for my social security check to come in. So she says, that's fine. I tell you what, when that social security check comes in, I want you to go open up a new bank account for me and send me the information. So then I can send you some money, Joe. Now Joe's excited. She's going to send him some money. Well, a few weeks pass. He gets the check, gives the account information over to Jen, and then she changes it. So only she has access. Joe no longer has access. And now she, Jen, uses that account that Joe set up to start transferring fraudulent funds through that account. Joe has no idea. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars start going through that account. And Joe doesn't have a clue until the FBI show up on his doorstep. The account gets closed. He gets thrown in jail for wire fraud, even though he had nothing to do with it. All they did was set up the account. And this kind of activity, you would think, okay, that doesn't happen very often. That's far-fetched, whatever you want. But Colorado Bureau of Investigation, they deal with this stuff all the time. These types of people are called money mules. They set up accounts. They're unwittingly used by these people to set up these accounts because you have to be here in person now to set up an account. They transfer this money in and out. So they will scam somebody. And the way they're scamming people is they will take a business's email account. They compromise it. And what I mean by compromise is they get the email address and the password to that particular email account. And then they'll sit on it. These bad actors, bad people will sit on it for days, weeks, even months, watching what's going on, waiting until there's a financial transaction that's about to take place. Then they will redirect the emails to them, have that money redirected instead to the business's account to one of these money mule accounts. So then the money gets diverted to this account. As soon as it hits the account, they transfer the money out of the country. So this is the most prevalent attack that has been going on that I've seen in several years. And it's so easy to manipulate these people. And they tend to be preying on the elderly to get them to set up these money mule accounts. And it's really sad because the more that we can educate not only our customers, but then have them talk to their parents and their parents' parents. I mean, talk to it generationally because it only takes a little bit of time for these people to manipulate somebody into setting up an account for them, Marissa. This is just a particular scenario that we're dealing with. What are some best practices or things that we can do given the fact that we use technology every day? What are some habits that we can start to incorporate to make us aware so that we can avoid being victimized? Let's just start with just the email stuff. So any email, I mean, I kind of have three basic rules on email. The number one rule is, are you expecting this email? I don't care if it's from your best friend. I don't care if it's from your banker. I don't care if it's from your boss. Are you expecting this email? That's rule number one. Number two, does this email sound like something that they would typically send you? Because a lot of times when these people generate these emails, it's broken English. They don't have the correct conjugation of verbs. They don't have the correct sentence structure. And it sounds a little off. I mean, that's a huge red flag. And then are they asking you to do something with urgency? Click on this link now. Open up this invoice. Oh my gosh, there's been a problem. You got to take care of this right away. So those are kind of my three things. And if you kind of follow those three rules, it'll really help you sift through a lot of the garbage and recognize right away, hey, this is something that's bad. And if you recognize that it's bad, don't even read the rest of the email. Don't even worry about anything else. It's bad. There's not anything in it that's good if there's any one part that's bad. Those are kind of the email side of things. The other side would be to talk to your friends and your family and your parents and your aunts and uncles or whoever about online friends. I mean, it's not just kids. I'm a father of five kids, but I used to worry about how my kids were actually interacting online. Well, now I need to worry about how my mom, who's older, is interacting online. Does she interact with people online that she's never met? 
that's a problem if they are. So be careful of those types of things. I know that all of us have at one point or another received an email just like you described. And I think one of the other things to look at is the address that it comes from, because a lot of times they copy the images so well that it looks legitimate. But then when you dig deep into it, as you mentioned, the language, but also the source, you'll realize that the email source that it's coming from does not sound like it came from the actual place that it's supposed to be coming from. So it's those little things that you mentioned, along with just verifying the source before you even bother to do anything with the information. Don't click on it. Don't read it. If you're questioning whether or not it's legitimate, just look at the source and then go ahead and contact the people that you think are going to be able to answer those questions for you and verify. And I personally have had situations where it looks so real, but I know better than to click on it. And I call the source and they confirm that these were not legitimate emails and to just delete them. You brought up a couple points. I mean, number one, people, for whatever reason, are afraid to pick up the phone and call. Anytime there's a money transaction, in my opinion, you ought to pick up and call. Hey, if you're going to wire me money, pick up and call the source. The other thing that you mentioned was where it's coming from. And I used to have that in high regard as to where it's coming from. But there's so many email accounts that have been compromised and people don't even know it. So that from email address is going to probably be in a legitimate email account from whoever. But you still can't trust that anymore because they can direct the emails that are coming from you to you, whatever. And that person still is getting emails from everybody else. But your emails are now getting redirected to somebody else just because of the way that the rules can be created. So even if that from line is absolutely perfect, still don't trust the email. That's a really good point. If you see right off the bat that the email seems suspicious, then that's kind of a red flag right there. But even if it does come from the right source, if the email itself, the nature of what is being asked sounds suspicious, then when in doubt, always call whoever your bank is or your credit card company or whoever needs to be notified first to confirm before you do anything with that information, correct? Absolutely. Let's say that you're plugging along on your laptop. Everything seems fine. A lot of times we don't even know that somebody either has access to our computer or that we've been scammed. So what are some signs? Are there things that will be able to tell us whether or not our computer is safe to work on? On a compromised email account, it's pretty difficult to tell. For business accounts, we're recommending what's called multi-factor authentication. So even if you get my email and my password, if you try to log in through the portal or through another computer, it's going to come back and say, hey, what's the PIN code we just texted you on your phone or that we sent to your alternate email account? So it becomes harder for people to compromise your email account. But if you don't have that set up, you may not know for a long time that you have a compromised email account. But some of the things you can look for is emails that you know that you've received all of a sudden don't show up in your inbox or they've disappeared or people that you correspond on a regular basis, those emails don't seem to be showing up in your inbox anymore. If you were about ready to like close on a house and you were talking about financial information and all of a sudden that person doesn't seem to be responding as quickly as they were, that could also be signs. I mean, it's really hard to determine that because we get so much email all the time every day. So it's important to stay diligent on that. Make sure that your inboxes are cleaned up. Make sure you know who you're corresponding with because they can get past you. I mean, I had a company that they got past them for months and I finally had a 
financial transaction start to happen. And all of a sudden, they didn't talk to him anymore. And nobody said anything for a week. And then finally, somebody picked up the phone and said, hey, did you get that money that I wired to you? Well, no, we didn't. We didn't know that you were doing anything. Well, I've been getting emails from you all week long, and I transferred it to this account number. Well, that's not our account number. So don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody. I guess that's the bottom line. And when you say secure your email, exactly how do you do that? Is that a piece of software that you get? Is that something special that you have to install on your computer? Depending on who you are using for your email provider, you may have to install additional software. Most larger email providers have these secondary security mechanisms already built into their platform. I know Google does. I know Microsoft does. Apple with their big security piece, I'm sure they do it. So you just need to talk to somebody, whoever's providing you your email and ask them if they have this multi-factor authentication. And if so, how do they get it enabled on their accounts? So let's say that after listening to this, they discover that I think that my security has indeed been compromised. Some of these signs that Clint was mentioning apply to me. And so I need to do something to make sure that my computer is secure. What are some things they need to do if they find that their security on their computer has been compromised? Number one, change your password. Make sure that you don't use the same password for multiple accounts. Once you change some of these passwords, make sure the uh, secondary information, in other words, if I'm resetting my password, is it going to text me? Is that phone number correct? Is my secondary email account correct? The number one thing is to change your password and then kind of go from there. So always keeping your password updated, change, secure is one of the best practices that we can apply then to keeping our information safe. Yep. Well, this has been so educational, Clint. Would you remind the listeners exactly how to get information about you and your company? Yeah, they can go to our website, 303tech.com. So that's 303tech.com. Another place, if they feel that they have been victimized or they are a victim of wire fraud, is to go out to the Colorado Bureau of Investigations website, which is reportwirefraud.com. That's kind of like their hotline. So you can submit this stuff there and somebody will be getting back to you very quickly. Most of the time, it's less than an hour when I submit stuff to them, but they have all kinds of resources on there for everybody. Thank you so much, Clint. This has really been helpful information. I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Marissa, for having us. I hope this helps. That's all for this episode of Live Blissed Out. Thanks for listening and thanks to Clint Larson for being my guest. If you find value in our show, please visit liveblissedout.com to reach out, subscribe, and share on social media. This show is made possible through listeners like you. Thank you. So long for now, and remember to keep moving forward.